When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. You are Stanley Cup champions. A lot of people up in arms about it. Just in the sense that six years they win a cup. That ruffles the feathers. A lot of fans have been waiting a long time for their team to win a cup. But I think the NHL made a bit of a mistake in the sense that they made it a lot easier for this expansion team and, of course, Seattle following Vegas than what Atlanta and Minnesota and Columbus had to go through and then going back in the day with Florida and Tampa and Ottawa, what they had to go through. They wanted these teams to be competitive right away. And what I tell people is this, is that if you had a chance in a salary cap sport to just strip your team bare to zero – and start over again, think of all of the ways that you can build your team. You have no cap restrictions, and you're able to grab players from other teams that are third and fourth line centers, but you're able to kind of build around them that are very affordable and then allows you the luxury of maybe spending a little bit more or having a little bit more ability to fit players in than other teams do who are already confined to having a number as they're trying to build. Like any general manager comes in and has started like in Pittsburgh, right? So Dubas comes into Pittsburgh. He doesn't have a blank slate. He's got Latang under contract, Malkin under contract, Crosby under contract. He's got to work through those deals. And in a cap sport, it really restricts you what you're able to do. And when McFarland he came in back in, in 2018 and built the team, he was able to find players that were very affordable, that were hungry, that felt disrespected because they were let go by their other teams. Now, they got lucky because Carlson and Marcia Show turned out to be way better than I think they even had anticipated. But that put them in a situation to be able to go out and get Eichel to put them over the top, make you know, that deal with Buffalo, which they sacrificed some pieces for sure, but they went out and be able to get that stud player that they needed and bring in the ancillary pieces and spend in free agency for Petrangelo, who was very good, and put them in that position. That's why I think when and we're going to, we'll talk about this in a second, Seattle is pretty good in putting themselves in that situation. So um, was it a mistake by the NHL? I, I guess it could be viewed that way just because of how it was a lot easier, I think, for this era of expansion teams to be competitive. But I think it does help the overall image of the sport and to build the sport that now Vegas has become a hockey town where Anthony seven years ago, that didn't even exist. And I think that's really important. Now, what I wanted to bring up here... Um, you look at the teams that have not won a Stanley Cup. Now, you take Vegas off the table now. They finally have won. So I wanted to ask Anthony this question and, and, and see if he had an opinion on it. Of the teams that have not won a Stanley Cup, who is next to win one? Who is next? All right, so you look, you look at all the teams that have never won a Stanley Cup. 
Seattle. We'll go in this order because of um because I'm looking at the Eastern Conference. All right, you got Florida, became three wins short of winning one. Sure. Um the Buffalo Sabres, the Ottawa Senators, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Those are the teams in the East that have not won a Stanley Cup. In the West, you've got Minnesota, Seattle, as you mentioned, Winnipeg, Nashville, Vancouver, Arizona, San Jose. So not a lot of teams when you think about it. Uh, There's been quite a few teams that have been able to win a Stanley Cup. So of all those teams, which team do you think could be next to win their first? Well, the obvious answer would be Florida, right? But let's let's not let's not make it easy on the on the good people. Um, getting rid of Arizona, getting rid of San Jose, getting rid of Winnipeg. I think that they're going to rebuild. Yeah. Uh, at some point here, um, going to get rid of Nashville. <sighs> I'm going to get rid of Vancouver too right now. That's fair. Um, boy. I- Ottawa. I'm going to get rid of Columbus. I know that you're high on them, but I don't. I don't see them yet overtaking. Well, remember, any we're, of these we're East saying teams. next. It could be a decade, right? From now, right. right. So um, we don't know when that is going to be. So I'm down to four teams. Uh, sorry, five teams: Seattle, Minnesota, Florida, Buffalo, Ottawa. <sighs> Buffalo and Ottawa don't seem like teams that are going to overtake those three teams and have a chance to win a cup before them in Florida, Seattle, and Minnesota. If Minnesota wins, it's got to. They got to be. It's got to be within the next two years, and I don't yeah. think that's going to happen, so I'll get rid of them. I don't... Boy, Seattle is interesting. I mean, I like... I, the, I, you know I, you know, I love Seattle. That's my team. I mean, I, I, honestly, I think that's my team, and, and for two reasons. I'm Number going Florida one, or Seattle, yeah. That's probably where I would They're kind of set up the way Vegas was, in the sense that they kind of have a blank slate a lot of good young players, and they, they learned a lot playing a couple of game sevens this year. But maybe the biggest thing for me is how wide open the West is. So you, you look at how landlocked you are, I think, in the Eastern Conference, right? Uh, Boston, you know, it's easy to forget about them because they won the President's Trophy, got bounced in the first round, but that's still an outstanding team. Toronto still has a ton of talent. Tampa's not going anywhere. Norris, Carolina. New Jersey, we'll get to them in a second. I think they're stacked and can really make a huge run. But you look out west, and you know Colorado, certainly very good. I don't know where we stand with Dallas right now, kind of an older team. You, men- you, you mentioned Minnesota's window starting to close. When is it ever going to happen for Edmonton? Um, so I just think the path in the west may be easier than the east. So it might end up being Seattle. So they're not in a rebuild. They're a playoff team right now. I don't think anybody would be shocked if they were competitive to win the Pacific Division next year. Um, now, Vegas can be back. There's no question. And we've seen in the National Hockey League that you kind of you stay on top for a little bit. You saw Tampa go to three straight Stanley Cup final. Uh, when Pittsburgh, they won back-to-back in 16 and 17. So uh, I'm not going to say that Colorado is uh, – or that Vegas is going to go the way of Colorado and be kind of one and done. But um, – I do think the West is a little bit more wide open, but I, I thought that was kind of interesting. But the, the Cup final was fun in the sense that you got uh, um, some great play from Kachuk and you got some great stories. You hear about Kachuk and the broken sternum and you think of all the things that were wrong with Ekblad and just how these hockey players just come to play. I know people are disappointed in the television ratings, but what did you think you were going to get, honestly? Honestly, people, and I know a lot of people want to pick on the NHL and they don't market themselves well and yada, yada, yada. What did you expect it was going to be? You had Vegas, who's a six-year-old team. 
that has a, a nice fan base in Vegas that's growing, but certainly not a national team by any stretch. And and the Florida Panthers, who you know were just a regionalized non-hockey market team that has built up a fan base, but there wasn't going to get anybody um, that's on the fence to get a lot of eyeballs. There it was a short series, and I thought about this, Anthony. I don't know if this popped into your mind at all. It is the first time since the Rangers won the Cup in '94 that all Stanley Cup final games were not televised over the air. First time since 1994. I've seen that. For everything that you mentioned before, Don, I say unfair to TNT. When we're talking about the matchup isn't sexy around the country, I think if you had a Toronto or Boston or the Rangers, the West was tough this year because there really wasn't a whole lot of... There really wasn't a whole lot of marquee names out there unless you got your Connor McDavid and that's not a you know regional that's more of a regional name too in the sense of like it's Edmonton it's not one of those those teams in the west uh, that that you write home about that it's unfair to say oh that's because it, it was on cable um because the matchup wasn't what we expected it when we came into the into the playoffs no but I'm just saying it just adds another layer to you consider the matchup you consider nothing you know ABC no NBC over the air that's always going to get a little bit of an audience right like you might have had a chance if game one of the series was on say CBS because that I guess would be the nat- the over the air affiliate to TNT you might have gotten a bigger number because for whatever reason even though you know they the, a great job by TNT to put it on TBS to put it on True TV, which has become a new phenomenon now, throwing it on multiple platforms. And I don't know anybody on the planet that doesn't have TBS or know where TBS is on their cable. But for whatever reason, over the air does a better number than cable. It just does. So is there a chance they could have gotten a few more eyeballs if the game was on national television early in the series when it was still very competitive? That you might have gotten a bigger number. But I just found it interesting. That before Fox came in in 1995, Stanley Cup Finals were broadcast regionally, and then so so in 1994, and ESPN had the rights. They didn't put anything on ABC. It stayed exclusively on ESPN for the seven games against Vancouver, but not in New York, where it was broadcasted on MSG. So the national number was going to suffer, A, because it was all on cable, and B, the major market in New York didn't didn't televise it on ESPN, and you had a Canadian market. So that's why the numbers were so low. Um this is just because you've got a matchup of two relatively small market teams, non-traditional hockey markets. It was a non-competitive series, all on cable. So I don't think the NHL is upset with the numbers. I think they kind of expected them. But the playoffs were competitive. And the other thing that I hear um, a negative is, is that how the playoffs just seem to wane as you go deeper. Like the first round is so exciting, so much fun, so many teams involved, so many overtime games, so many game sevens. And then as you start to reduce the number of games, you reduce the number of opportunities in which the games can be compelling. And then if you get the matchups we got in the Final Four, of course the last two rounds are not going to be as interesting because we really didn't have any major market teams in the four. You know, you got Vegas versus Dallas. You've got Florida versus Carolina. That's not going to float a lot of boats nationally. Like you said, no Toronto, no Boston, no New York, no Philadelphia, no Detroit, no original six kind of feel where I think if you had a final four of, say, you know, Chicago 
versus L.A., and then you had in New York the Rangers against the Bruins, the numbers would have been through the roof. It would have been tremendous. It's just that that's just the way it goes. And you wonder, Anthony, with the stupid format that they have with playing within your division. Your favorite. That you know they want to juice up the first round by having you play within your division. I'm wondering if that now goes against their logic, because it seems like the first round is always so much fun because there's so many games. Why not try to see if you can have a format in which you can get divisional matchups in the second and third round, or at least definitely in the third round, that that might actually make the later rounds more interesting. There's nothing you can do about the Stanley Cup final. But at least if you were able to get matchups within the division, if you got you know, uh, that Ranger-Devil matchup, say, p- potentially as a conference final matchup rather than in the first round, would that have been better overall for the NHL than having all those great matchups be in the first round where people are probably going to be compelled to watch anyway? I think the consensus, and you saw it on Twitter too, I'm sure, Don, was that the first round was awesome and the second round on wasn't as great. Right. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. Boston getting eliminated obviously didn't help. Um, There was a lot of blowouts. Um, And I don't think it has to do with the matchups. I think if the the series went longer, I think the Edmonton-Vegas series was exciting Mm -hmm. in the second round. That's the only one I could I could look to. I think I think Carolina and New Jersey was not great. Um, no. Florida Toronto, of course, was exciting um, for the reason that Toronto lost again. But you look back at that and you go, was and then even the conference finals of both what, were they that great? And I and I don't know the answer to that. No, and and the cup happen. was exciting because it was the cup, but that didn't give you a lot of juice either. No. And you know, and and, and and even in a game five. You know, have a 9-3 final, 6-1 going into the third period is not going to get a lot of eyeballs to the TV. Although I think TNT did a tremendous job. I thought Jackie Redmond's interview with Paul Maurice at the end of Game 5 where he revealed all those injuries and got emotional I thought was tremendous. So uh, give a lot of credit uh, to TNT that really I thought did a terrific job all playoffs long, compelling information. Uh, the coverage I thought was tremendous, the way they stuck with things. Remember, you know, you... We were growing up over the last 20 years, Anthony, where, all right, you know, game's on NBC, Doc says goodbye, and then all of the handing of the cup and everything would be on NBC Sportsnet, you know, for TNT to stick with it as long as they did. And I thought Vegas did a tremendous job of having all the original Golden Knights touch the puck first and all the original Golden Knights in the starting lineup as well. So they got a little cocky, I guess, towards the end, but I think everybody believed that they were winning that Game 5, it being at home, the way that they handled things in Game 4, no Kachuk in the lineup, but I thought Vegas did a great job honoring uh, the original team and having them all in the lineup and having them go right down the row of all being able to touch the puck. Obviously, um, you know, going from the captain to Stone uh, to Carlson to Marcia so ended up winning the Con Smythe and, you know, right on down the line, McNabb and, and all those guys. So uh, just a tremendous job. And uh, the Stanley Cup champion uh, is now the Vegas Golden Knights. And now we go into the offseason, and uh, we've jumped right in. Uh, let's start with the, the Peter Laviolette. It's official. We've talked a lot about Peter because this we knew this eventually was going to happen. Uh, I was at an event on Wednesday at City Field. We did the um, we did the Michael K. show from there, and I got a lot of people. I'm not exaggerating, Anthony. Like, a lot of people. What do you think of Peter Laviolette? 
And I'm, I'm just a little surprised how lukewarm people are about the hiring. Because it has that whole feel of rehashed and um, that you're kind of just going with the old standard and it's a boring hire and not sure. Uh, maybe I'm biased because, again, I, I know the man. I've gotten to know him over the last few years. I've told you those stories. Um, but you want to get out of the first round. You want a guy with a resume of being able to routinely get out of the first round. And he didn't do it in Washington, but there are certain glaring reasons why, especially this year with Carlson and Backstrom basically missing the entire year and how dysfunctional the goaltending was and how competitive the division ended up really being. But, you know, Stanley Cup final in Nashville, Stanley Cup final in Philadelphia, Stanley Cup championship in Carolina. I don't know. Uh, listen, it's difficult to get excited. And I know, Anthony, you feel like there's roster problems, and I, I, I can't help that. They had to replace a coach. So I don't know where you were going to go. Um, looking back at it now, Mike Babcock and Joel Quinville were unrealistic. So were you going to go with John Hines? Or were you going to go with Chris Knobloch, who's down in Hartford? Um, Patrick Waugh would have been a sexy hire because it's Patrick Waugh, but do we know he would have done any kind of a job? He's resigned in Quebec, so apparently he wants to be a head coach somewhere, Um, and I'm not saying he can't be a good one, Um, but right now, does he have the resume on the National Hockey League level to lead you to believe that he can go out there and maybe literally save Chris Drury's job? Because I don't know if Chris Drury gets a third kick at the can as head coach uh, uh, to, to hire another head coach. Well, that's my point, right, Don? Because we've talked about it, and uh, Larry had the article this this week. This core can't get another coach. And by the time that LaViolette's done, whether it be a, the three years in, or the Rangers uh, follow their current trend and fire him after two, a lot of the no-move clauses that are on these contracts will will go away. Uh, for Panarin, I think for Zibanejad as well. Um, and then you can adjust this core if you don't think that it's yeah. good enough. Wow. Um, and that will be what happens, mark my words, if they do not not either win a cup or show improvement to get to a cup, that is what is going to happen and yeah, what should the, happen. He got a three-year contract. It's a shade under $5 million a year. This is it. He, is, he has been given three years or less to make this happen. Like you said, he might get fired in his second year. Um, that's possible. Um, maybe he gets fired at the end of the third year. They just don't bring him back. I look at this is that if it works, great, tremendous, contract extensions, everybody. Uh, if it doesn't work where he gets fired in the second year or not brought back in the third year, I think Drury would be gone too. And then whoever comes in would just have to rebuild the roster. They blow it up and they start over. So I think you're given two to possibly three kicks at the can here with this current roster. You went out and got a guy that's got a cup, a guy that's got a resume. You believe that the roster is good enough to win. There's obviously some tweaks that have to happen during the course of the offseason. But here it is, and I think this is the shot. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, then I think... After Laviolette's let go, I think Chris is gone, and I think Dolan will blow it up and start over. I think that's what's really fair. So I don't know if that's going to be the message or the mantra going into training camp, but the feeling has to be, really, how many more coaches is this roster going to be going through? All right, didn't work with David Quinn. Okay, he was inexperienced. Didn't work with Gerard Gallant. Okay, we're going to bring in Peter Laviolette. Do you really think that the players in that room are going to get a fourth coach? 
You know, they can't. Uh, really? They shouldn't. They they should, and and then they won't, and then and I don't think they will. And I like all those guys, not knowing them personally, but just being a fan. I like the team. I think they're great. They seem to have great personalities. This, that, and the other, and that's fantastic. But. As the core, if you think the coach has been the problem the last three times, eventually no. it's going to turn back to you, and this is right. the time where it's going to turn back and, to you. And, and then that's, and I just don't think that the architect of it would get a chance to reconstruct it. That's that just me. I haven't heard anything, but I just, you know, reading the writing on the wall, following sports as long as I have, it just feels like this is it. And if this doesn't work, then bringing in another coach. Yeah, inevitably you're going to have to do that. But thinking that's always the problem, then you're going to have to make significant trades. You're going to have to make some very hard decisions. And maybe some of those hard decisions are going to happen this offseason because you've got the restrictive free agents. What do you do with Kako? What do you do with um, Alexei Lafreniere? Um, is there anything that can be done with the with the group? I know Panarin's got a new new movement clause. You know, you've got long contracts with Zabanajad and Kreider. Um, but what what do you make some sort of a splash here, or do you just say, I believe we have the wrong coach, I believe this is the right roster, let's go out and do it. And I just don't think if it if it fails, you can look in the mirror and say it's a coaching problem. So do you see Kako getting top six minutes on this team? Because that's what he wants. That's what he said in the exit well, interview. Well, if he doesn't, then then isn't it fair to say that why, why are you bringing him back? I don't disagree. You know, you you see the way that these teams are built, and you keep. I, I think EJ Raddick said it best when we had him on earlier in the week: is that you can't you know have you know top you can't have nine of the same type of players in in, in your three lines, right? I mean, you have you have your finesse in the top six. Your, your third line's got to be a little tougher, more physical, that can score. And then your fourth line's your fourth line, where you get maybe some offense out of them, but you get some bangers. They need to be thicker. They need to be bigger. Again, I'm not talking about bringing in a Ryan Reeves. I'm talking about bringing in like a Wilson type. I'm talking about bringing in a Stone type. Yes. I'm ta- you know, someone that has skill, that can play top-line minutes if necessary, but can also throw the body around, be physical, work those corners. The Rangers got outworked, I thought, against the New Jersey Devils, and that was inexcusable. It can't always be finesse. It can't always be creating two-on-ones. You know, you want to get that first pass out of the zone and and be open and free, and that's great, and that's going to work for a majority of the regular season, but you want to win in the postseason, you're going to have to be able to grind it out. And I thought it was very revealing. I don't know if you thought the same thing, Anthony, that you know you saw the way the Devils were able to find that room and be able to be the team they wanted to be and yet still win the battles and then eventually win the series. Yeah. And then you saw it completely not work against Carolina because Carolina knew how to grind it out and not allow the Devils to be freewheeling and yet still find a way to clamp it down and be an offensive presence. I mean, that's what that's. The the key, right? You can clamp it down, try to win the game one nothing, or you can try to clamp it down, but yet still create offensive opportunities. And then Florida bested them in Carolina uh, until eventually the more complete team in Vegas was able to win itself out. Uh, but I think the kid line's done, done, in my opinion. Well, um, because you can manipulate the top nine. If if we can't, if we if the Rangers can't make a significant move that changes the top nine. I think you have to consider the possibility of breaking up that line, allowing, whether it be Kako or Heedle, to get top six minutes 
Maybe Trocek goes down to the third line center. Maybe Kreider plays third line. I know that's crazy to think a 30 or 40 goal scorer can be on your third line, but if it and and let's get rid of the idea of these these numbered lines, right? Because that's kind of a far, uh, a fallacy. Look at Vegas. I I know you know who the top line is, but every line on that team played a role in yeah. getting well, them to the Stanley Cup, and you need to be able to find that balance where I will have Marjorie scoring for me, I will have Stone scoring for me, Brett Howden will score a wraparound goal in overtime <laughs> yeah. against the Edmonton Oilers. So you can find ways to make this roster better, even if you can't make a significant move. That's it. You just got to put the right people in the right place at the right time. That's what it's all about. Don't ask anybody to play more than they're capable of doing or less than they're capable of doing. And that's what you just have to find that sweet spot. And and maybe that was ultimately where uh, Gallant and Drury butted heads and just trying to figure out what the right chemistry was. And, you know, they constantly tried to change the lines. It had worked for a little bit, but not for a sustainable period of time. And um, that just didn't work. And we'll see if Peter can bring it to the table. Peter can be a player's coach, but at the same time, he can be a disciplinarian as well. It was it, it went viral at the time, but I think it definitely made it had a second life after his hiring of, you know, during the hard knocks uh, or whatever they called it back then when the Flyers played the Rangers uh, in the Winter Classic and him going off on the team in the locker room, you know, so um, he does have that ability too. And I think uh, to wake these guys up, it can't always be about, you know, the players kind of policing themselves. That's the kind of the way that Gallant wanted to do it. I want a coach that's going to, you know, allow his players to be themselves, but at the same time be the glue to go in there and, you know, set everybody straight. And, so it's nice that the players can police themselves, but it's also better to just have that that foreman, that boss, that eventually comes in and says, "Okay, guys, let's get our let's get our act together here and let's win some games and let's see if they can do that." Also, locally from the the, the tri-state area standpoint, uh, Jesper Bratt gets his contract. So you've got Bratt, Heeshear, and Hughes at twenty three point twelve million dollars. Um, that's not bad. Now, Brack can be looked upon as overpaid, but the idea is you got to keep your young players. And Brat, I think, has a tremendous future, as does Heeshear, as does Hughes. Uh, the Devils have already gotten rid of Severson. We talked about that earlier in the week. That's going to free up uh, the Nemics and, and the Hugheses of the world to be able to join that blue line. So I think Graves is certainly gone. Uh, Wood, who we were talking about as being the longest tendered uh, Devil, he'll probably be gone as well. So they've got the maneuverability to start making some changes. The question is, who is their goaltender going into next year? Is it going to be Connor Hullabuck? Are they going to come back with with Vanacek again, that to me is their weakness um, and their youth. Uh, but you know what? Youth is going to gain experience as they did this past year with the with the couple of rounds they went into. So they're going to get better and better as they get older. They've got a chance here to put it together. It looks like Timo Meyer is going to come back, wants to stay. They certainly have the room to make that work with an eight-year contract, which obviously they can do that he would not be able to get if he became a free agent after July 1st, where it would only be seven years. So I think he will stay, although he did not play well in the postseason, but he was good in the regular season, and I think a full year is going to make them a force, Anthony, really. The question is, who is their goaltender? And, and 
I'm a fan of Connor Hullabuck. If they I, if they get him done, they are the favorites. I I, I the, think it's something you want to try to make. Vanacek to me is a nice goaltender. He's not great. Obviously, any of the ancillary guys. I'm sorry, I don't I don't buy into Schmidt. I don't buy into Blackwood. I think they need to go out and get a goaltender. And Connor Hullabuck's played in the conference final. He's won a Vesna Trophy. Uh, to me, I think he'd be a perfect fit in New Jersey. But they have Schmid, Don. He's the answer. I, I don't know. Um, now listen, he was for that moment, but again, was that a, it's almost like baseball with the pitching, right? It's like did uh you know, did uh did the offense come alive for the Mets and the Yankees in the first game of that series or did the fact that uh, Severino and and um Scherzer were pitching, did that make them come alive? And did Verlander and Cole really pitch well, or was it the fact that the Mets and Yankees offense isn't very good? Um, I, I wonder how much the Rangers had to do with creating that monster in New Jersey. Uh, and certainly it didn't seem to be all that great against Carolina. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere, but to tell me that he's going to be like the next Sean Burke and that he's going to just go from out of nowhere to becoming your number one goaltender like it back was you know 30-some-odd years ago, probably not. I don't think that's going to work out, but uh, we'll see. I think there's going to be a lot of play for uh, Hullabuck, and um, it does feel like, Anthony, that there's a, they're blowing that up in Winnipeg. A lot of conversation that Wheeler could be bought out um, already. There's um, you know players that are going to want to get player. out of He's a good player. He is a very good player. But here's, here's the problem is, is that they can't the, – the, the problem that they have in Winnipeg, and it, it stinks because you know how I'm, I'm, a, I'm a closet Winnipeg Jet fan, all right? Yes, um, and we've talked about that before. But it's not a city that free agents are going to want to go to and unless they're winning, right? Unless they got a chance to win the Cup, uh, I don't think anybody is really going to want to spend a lot of time, you know, investing in a rebuild in Winnipeg. You know, so Dubois wants out. You know, Line A wanted out back in the day. So now you're going to, you know, if, if Wheeler ends up going – then what are you going to do? How are you going to attract free agents? And, and they're just going to have to go through the slow rebuild and do it through the draft. And, and they've got the fan base, and the fans will go because it's the one thing, it's the one thing going on in that town that, that people can get excited about. But at the same time, uh, it just, it's going to be really difficult to convince everybody to want to go there. And that just kind of stinks for, for Winnipeg. But it just kind of guys that feel like they're just going to be, you know, a team that was kind of banging on the door, right? They lost to Vegas in 18, you know, finding ways to make the playoffs. I thought they got, um, you know, getting upended in the second round by Winnipeg and the bubble really kind of sucked for them. I'll be by, by Montreal in, in uh, during COVID and their window uh, slammed shut. And now they're going to see a lot of upheaval there. Um, for those uh, people up uh, in the Great White North. All right, let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Uh, let's see here. Adam says, how uses it for the Rangers to have Hughes, Heeshear, and Brad taking up just $23.125 million. Also with Meyer likely wanting to sign long-term, how much credit does Tommy Fitzmagic, like the nickname, deserve to be making New Jersey more of a draw for free agents? Uh, New Jersey, I wouldn't say as a destination per se but it is a destination now because it's young it's fun and it's got a chance to win so that's why um i don't know how you know attractive new jersey would be if the team was in a rebuild you know but right now it just you you gotta feel you talk to people around the nhl that they kind of set the standard now they were able to be patient where other teams couldn't be patient right because 
they just kind of went about their business and gobbled up all those first overall picks and nobody put a ton of pressure on them to win right away and that comes from being in that kind of small market mentality in new jersey they're not the rangers you know they're not the flyers that kind of attention on them where you got to win now and the pressure of winning now and they were able to do a little bit more i think than other franchises could and they took advantage of it and now have put themselves in a very very nice position here where they're a team people want to play for and a team that I think everybody is going to be predicting is going to take that next monster step, which would, I think, be at least the conference final next year. Uh, Troy says, one, what should Vegas do with, um, uh, let's see here, uh, Leonard, do you see them doing the same thing New Jersey did with Schneider? Probably. I mean, how many goaltenders are you going to have there, right? It's a lot of goalies. It's a lot of goalies. But Aiden Hill kind of just surprised everybody. And Brossois was kind of good. Took that job. Brossois wasn't bad. They went out and got Jonathan Quick at the deadline. But, you know, his his future is uh, is gone there. And two, do you think that Eichel versus McDavid rivalry could match Crosby versus Ovechkin within the next few years? Great job all season uh, long by you and Anthony Pusick. Oh, very nice. Thank hey. You, I don't think it can get to that level just because Crosby and Ovechkin came in in the same year. Um so, you know, Eichel came from Buffalo and now he's in Vegas and, and no offense to Vegas and Edmonton from a national standpoint, but it's not quite Washington and Pittsburgh. But I do think it could be fun, uh, I, especially out west for those people. I just don't think it reaches uh, that level of Ovechkin and Crosby. Um, so Harvey Cruz, our buddy, says Aaron Ekblad and Matthew Kachuk played through insane injuries. So what injuries and pain would you endure to play for a Stanley Cup game? And do you think the coaches should step in and sit out players to avoid any further injuries, possible long-term issues? I, I don't know what I'd play. I played play until I couldn't, I couldn't move to be able to win a Stanley Cup. I think Anthony would too. But that had been brought up. Like, why doesn't the Players Association step in? Uh, cooler heads prevail. You can't tell these guys that there's no load management in the National Hockey League for a reason. It's not coaches taking advantage of players. It's players just wanting to play and wanting to win that Stanley Cup. They put in all the effort they can to be able to win. So, and I love that in these players, but I don't think you could stop these players. I think if the Players Association stepped in, if a coach tried to step in, these guys would bust through a wall to play. There's just nothing you can do about that. Broken Tony sternum says, might be my limit. Yeah, they don't, I, just, I just don't know how that feels. Um, Tony says, can Peter Laviolette mold the Rangers into a team that is able to win playoff series and potentially the Stanley Cup. Is there any player they can add that will help? Well, adding is going to be tough because, again, they're really up against it with the Cup. Um, So let's see what Magic Drury can work here to see if they can kind of loosen uh, those things up. Um, David Hines got a couple here. Let's see where he starts. He's got one of two. Maybe it's me, but I feel like the steam behind the NHL to Atlanta 3.0 wasn't through wasn't a thought until Kevin Weeks and John Butchergrass um, posted it on Twitter as not an if but a when. Since it's not going away, I can't help but feel this and the constant push. Yeah, we, we talked about it with EJ. I'm just trying to see where his second one is. I, I can't find it, but it's just a continuation. I don't know what – I know Atlanta's a huge market. I know it's a good television market. Um, I, I, I just don't see how it works 
Uh, it just it, forget about what happened with the Flames. That was that was fifty some odd years ago. But the Thrashers, I know ownership was poor. I know the building locate. Well, they play in the same building the Hawks do. Are the Hawks? There's any threat of them moving? Like it just seemed like there was a lot of excuse making at the time in Atlanta. So yeah, better ownership, a winning team. See, that's the thing that always drove me crazy about Atlanta. Well, Don, they just needed to run. You know, well, they had to run in 2012. It didn't matter. You know, so yeah, all Atlanta just had one playoff appearance, and the, and the Rangers swept them. Okay. The, but when do, when are you going to get the playoff run? And, and, and do we know the playoff run's going to work? You know, it worked in Carolina, worked in Dallas, certainly worked in Colorado. We've seen it. But what if it doesn't work in Atlanta? And, and how long is it going to take? So you're telling me that you're going to be moving Arizona to, uh, to Atlanta. Okay, well, Arizona stinks. They're not close to winning. It wasn't like Quebec moving to Colorado and then they win a Stanley Cup. So it's going to be a, a two or three years of not being able to win after they didn't win when they were the Thrashers. So people in Atlanta would be like, yawn, we got a lousy hockey team to watch. You know, big deal. Um, and then when is that run going to happen? Uh, I just I, I just think Houston, to me, is the, um, is the better move here. we got to get Weeks on one day. He's a cool dude. Oh, he's very good. I would love to get him on. Uh, Harris says, why has the New York Rangers head coaching job turned into a revolving door in recent years? Well, Anthony said it. Players. They're a win-now team. You're catering to the players, and it's easy to just say it's a coaching problem. But you're right. They just have not had any sustainability there for a long time. I mean, really, since since the, the you know firing of A.V., uh, it's been, yeah, it's been a revolving door. And it's going to continue, I guess, until they figure out a way to win or blow it up. Quinn accelerated rebuild, not the coach for a team that was going to get Panarin, sign Truba to a long-term deal. That's the thing. Um, so that you can almost throw out because then it's like, well, the plan has changed from the letter. Um, and now you could look at the revolving door of Gallant and now right. Laviolette. And I mean, he may the, only have three years. The acquisition of Panarin changed everything. That's correct. And then all of a sudden it became a, a, a slow burn to you threw gasoline on the fire and that just accelerated everything. And it really changed the the letter and the way the team was perceived and they went from zero to to like f- zero to 500 and it's really changed everything and john papa says do the rangers team as presently constituted have a chance of winning a cup based on what i saw in the stanley cup finals doesn't feel like it but then again you go back to last year and this team had a two nothing leading game three of the conference final so there's always going to be that feeling of, well, we kind of came close, but the question is, what's the ab- aberration and what's the rule? Was last year the aberration or was the year before the aberration? Um, that's what Drury's got to figure out. And by just changing the coach and not making a lot of roster moves, at least right now, tells you that he believes that the aberration was what happened this past year. And again, how, how do things change? We don't know. We don't know what they would have done against the Hurricanes. But what would have changed if in Game 3, Hamilton doesn't score, but the Rangers score and they go up three games to none? Were they going to blow a four nothing, Were they going to blow a 3 nothing series lead? Or were they going to beat the Devils in five like they, everybody thought they would, beat Carolina like they did the year before, and then back in the conference final again? You could make that case. As ridiculous as it sounds, you could make that case. That if they win game three in overtime, that's how close they came to having a 3 nothing series lead. How much different does this year look from the previous year? Now, again, maybe Carolina would have wiped the floor with them. I don't know. Probably would have. Probably would have, based on what we saw happen when after Hamilton scored and how they ended up losing that series in seven despite dominating the first two games of the series. 
But, Anthony, you don't know. You don't know. That's what makes this sport so freaky. Um, Speaking of the Devils, Don, you want to laugh? <laughs> I was yes. taking a look at their uh, cap on Cap Friendly. <laughs> you know what's still on there? And is on there not only this year, but until 2024-25? Was that PK? No, the Ilya Kovalchuk recapture penalty. Oh, oh yeah, quarter that's right. million dollars for yeah. the next two years. That was a miserable. Sign. And they still did have he, a lot of money. Did did go to the Cup final? But they have um, a lot of RFA's and UFA's done. This this roster could look very different. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Again, people asking. Again, a lot of people. Danny, any intel on the Ramsey firing with the Rangers? No, I still have not heard anything. And you got good people like Larry Brooks on top. I have not heard even a rumor on why. That all happened. I do, I do not have an answer for you. I'm sorry. Um, if I ever do get one and, I, and I'm allowed to say, I will pass it along to you. But uh, I just don't know. But we, we got to go. Uh, we do appreciate everybody participating today. It was a lot of fun. So, Don. Yes. What is the schedule looking like now for the summer? We've done a great job. Three shows a week, more or less. Yeah. How are we looking now? For people that love this podcast, in the summer, what are we going to do? Well, what we do, what we do normally in the summertime is kind of catchers catch can in the, in the sense that when something does break significantly, we'll do a podcast around it. So maybe we'll do a post draft, especially if there's any significant trades or moves. So not ex- exactly sure it'll be the day after the draft or no, because the draft's a Friday, I believe. Um, but you know, we will uh, that weekend. Uh, maybe we'll come back that Monday after the draft. Little Possibly. free agency frenzy show, you and me. Yeah, yeah, I think we should definitely do something there. Although this is not a very attractive free agent crop. No, it's really not. But it still should be fun to see what teams do. But uh, let's take a really good look um, at it. So what what you got to do um, if you want to follow this podcast? I'm sure you subscribe. So if I, if a new one does pop up, you do get the alert about it. But if you want to participate in it, just follow me at Twitter at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, or if you just follow me on Twitter at, at Don LaGreca, I uh, usually try to give a heads up when I'm going to record a podcast and I will give you any one that's going to be coming up if you want to be able to participate in it. So won't be able to narrow down the exact number of times or the exact dates in which we'll have them. And of course there's vacation and things that kind of come up that makes it difficult. But um, let's uh, let's just follow on social media. And it'll probably be something after the draft. If something does significant happen, you know that this is definitely be a destination in which you can participate. But thanks to everybody during the course of the season, because obviously the three a week are going to go away now that the season is officially over. But thank to Anthony Pusick, who did a tremendous job all year helping me out. Ray Dinahan, who sometimes parachuted in when I had to do one before Anthony came in. Of course, EJ Raddick, who came in uh, every week and, and, and supplying it and, and the different guests that we had. Uh, during the course of the year as well. Always fun to talk to those guys. So thanks for participating. Always fun. We'll talk to you during the course of the summer. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.